Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest this week is Greg Myers. Greg is the Chief Information and Digital Officer of Syngenta Group, a $12.5 billion revenue agrochemical company based in Basel, Switzerland. In his role, Greg helps run IT for the company, which entails everything from infrastructure to customer self-service to e-commerce. Further, he's responsible for how technology is used and consumed inside and outside the company to help its customers be successful. Prior to joining Syngenta Group, Greg was the Corporate Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Motorola. In this interview, Greg asserts that we're now heading into a third wave of technology change, which he believes can help reverse some of the effects that we have seen with climate change. Agriculture is responsible for about one-third of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, and it consumes about 70% of the world's fresh water supply, which is 30% more than we can naturally replenish. This third wave entails bringing computer and data science to the farms to help find these breakthroughs that allow farmers to continue to increase food production as the world population grows in a way that's more regenerative, keeps more carbon in the soils, and allows us to conserve more water. We also discuss the extreme difference between different market segments that the company operates in, the talent landscape in Switzerland, the evolution of IT going from trying to get IT on the agenda of management teams to extreme excitement around the function, and a variety of other topics. Greg Myers, welcome back to Technovation. Great to speak with you again. Thanks. It's great to be here. Excellent. So, uh, Greg, you are um, the chief information and digital officer of a Swiss-based company, Basel, Switzerland-based company, Syngenta Group. And for those who are listening who may be less familiar with that organization, can you take a moment and in your own words describe the business? Sure. Yeah. Syngenta Group is the um, sort of world's largest um, input company in agriculture. So we, we, we're about 48,000 employees, about 23 billion in sales. Uh, we operate in over 90 countries around the world. And our primary um, products that we sell are seeds. So we do make any seeds around the world and corn and soy and sunflowers. So farmers buy our seeds to grow their crops. Uh, we have a number of pest control products, whether it's herbicides, fungicides, insecticides, uh, we have um, a crop nutrition business that's pretty very healthy in China, and then we also have uh, a farmer services business where, in some markets around the world, we provide full service uh, support for for farmers. That's great, and I, I'd love to understand a little bit more about your your role. I mentioned you're the chief information and digital officer of the organization. Um, I imagine, at least on the CIO side, there are probably some typical aspects of of uh, the role that would be recognizable to others that you're responsible for. But I have to imagine that with the further qualifier of the chief digital officer role, there may be some nuances to it as well. Can you can you uh, share a bit more about your your purview? Yeah, sure. So we have four business units: uh, two in crop protection, uh, one in seeds, and then we have uh, a business in China, which is its own business unit. Uh, and what I do is I help uh, basically run IT for the company. So that's everything from ERP and infrastructure to um, customer service, uh, customer self-service, Salesforce, e-commerce, and you know all the normal things that you'd expect uh, in the IT function. 
Um, and then on the digital side, uh, that really is around building tools and software that's really used by our end customers, which are farmers, as well as their advisors and helping them find ways to grow more crop, be more profitable and farm more sustainably. So the way to think about it is I'm responsible for technology, both how it's used and consumed inside the company, but also how technology is consumed outside the company to really help our customers be more successful. And, and talk a bit about your team. How do you, um, how, how does the team underneath you divide into the different set of responsibilities that you've just described? Are they literally like kind of two sides of the team as your roles would suggest, or are there many people that kind of have a foot in each of those as of course you do as the leader? Yeah. You know, I describe it a little bit like a Venn diagram. So for sure there's parts of the, or, you know, parts of the, 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 the organization that's very focused primarily on building software. And most of that's custom software that we're uh, building and deploying to our customers. And then, of course, inside in the more traditional IT area, you're leveraging traditional software packages and you know cloud computing environments and things like that. But there is an intersection in the middle, which is you know becoming increasingly interesting. I think originally we we had the the, the group separate, but as we brought them together, when you start looking at things and how you how you really work with your customers, there's a real intersection between sort of selling and marketing and and really providing customer service and helping them understand where their orders are, helping them better understand how to use the actual products that we make in the most effective way. And then that sort of bleeds a little bit into um, as they're using digital tools on farm, which is a relatively new um, you know, sort of phenomenon over the last five to 10 years, um, they're increasingly starting, farmers are increasingly getting more and more used to using digital technology or IT technology to actually do the practice of farming. And so there is kind of this um, intersect in the middle. And so the organization we have, I mean, I have one leadership team and, um, you know, everybody has a slightly you know, different remit, of course, but, but that part in the middle, we really try to put the customer at the center of our business. And whether that's trying to make us easier to do business with relative to ordering products or doing returns or paying invoices or, you know, having technical questions around our products, or even if it's, you know, how to use a specific you know, fungicide and knowing when to spray it, right? And having digital tools in the hands of farmers that help them ensure that, you know, when they when they use our products, they're using them in the way that'll be most effective for them. You know, this is kind of that intersection between the two. Greg, as you noticed, noted, uh, this is a 10,000-year-old uh, industry, perhaps the largest um, and arguably the most important industry out there, two and a half trillion dollars or roughly, give or take a little bit. Uh, and as such, given that history, uh, it would it would seem, at least to the um, to the uninitiated, that this would be the 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 kind of industry where innovation might be challenging in some areas, as people who've been undertaking this have done so for generations, um, generations across a family, you know, literally across hundreds of years, potentially in some cases. Talk a bit about the the hunger for innovation from the ultimate users and the pathway towards steering them. To, to new methods uh, in order to be successful? Yeah, I mean, for sure, um, on one hand, if you're a farmer and it's increasingly becoming difficult to farm, um, you know, the climate change itself is creating huge challenges. In the U.S., for example, last year, we had the, the, wettest, um, the wettest spring really in the history of the United States. And you imagine how challenging that is already if you're a, you know, a, a farmer in the Midwest you know, trying to grow a good crop when commodity prices have been really at sustainable lows. So, 
it's it's already a bit challenging. I think um, the farmers I speak with are very interested in any angle they can get or any edge that they can get to be successful. But you know they have had practices that have been you know going for quite a while. But they're also not completely new to technology. If you think about you know go back a hundred years or so when you know tractors first came out in the market. I mean that that allowed us to go from being able to farm one person could farm one acre. Um, you know, in one day, uh, and and now you can get basically one one human and a tractor can do forty acres every hour. Uh, and then I think when you look at the breakthrough in chemistry and biology that we saw through the use of synthetic fertilizers and and, and pesticides, really in the middle of the twentieth century, you know, it's allowed us to achieve really remarkable um, progress over the last fifty years. You know, we generate about a the world generates about one hundred and fifty percent more food. And only about 12% more land than we had 50 years ago. So the industry itself has definitely seen its share of what it looks like when human ingenuity comes to, you know, a 10,000-year-old industry. And I think now we're looking at what the next wave of change is. And and there is a downside to intensive production agriculture, and that is, you know, degrading of soil health. Um, agriculture is responsible for about a third of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. It consumes about 70% of the world's fresh water supply, which is 30% more than we can naturally replenish. So we're now looking at how we can potentially come up with this third wave of technological change, which is bringing computer and data science to the farms to really try to find these breakthroughs where we can continue to increase pr food production as the world population is growing, uh, but, but also try to do it in a way that's more regenerative and you know, keeps more carbon into the soils, um, allows us to conserve more water. And, you know, with the impact that agriculture has on, on greenhouse gas emissions, you know, it's one of the few industries that really has the opportunity um, as it changes and modifies its management practices to really actually start to reverse, you know, some of the effects that we've seen with climate change, which is really exciting. And so all these uh, factors are something that um, every uh, farmer I talk to uh, around the world completely gets this and are really anxious to use um, and look at how to use these tools and adapt in their practices. But, you know, as you can imagine, they only have one shot a year. Um, they're not like a normal company where every two weeks they can try something different and do A-B testing. It's if, if you do something, um, if you make a bad judgment call, that this could be your livelihood and, and it could be the difference between keeping or losing your farm in a given year. So there's for sure... Um, a risk appetite that's lower than you might find in a consumer or an enterprise segment, but but they absolutely get and are interested in in, in using technology to try to find a way to, to get an edge. Yours is a company that operates in the major um, uh, agricultural uh, populations around the, the world. And I wonder, as you reflect upon your operations in those very different segments, uh, is the, the, the appetite for innovation um, and, and, and the use of the digital technology that you're, you're leveraging, you're bringing to market, is it, um, is it uniform in its use or are there some interesting differences as you contemplate those, the different segments or different populations that you serve? Yeah, I mean, it really, to be honest, as, as someone who's still learning the industry, it's, it's, it's shockingly different from market to market. You know, you have a place like the United States, which, um, you know, is, is almost 90% family-owned farms still. Uh, many of these farms are fourth, fifth generation, and, they, and the U.S. is the largest uh, exporter of uh, most of the agricultural goods 
uh, in the world. And uh, it's the most productive, most technologically advanced. Um, and those farmers are the ones that tend to try a lot of different things. You move down to a place like Latin America or Eastern Europe, and they're mainly corporations that are running farms. So they're sort of corporate-owned farms, or they're very, very large co-ops uh, that might have farms that are 10 to 100 times the size of the average American farm. Uh, and, and so they have, you know, they have their own CIOs. I mean, I've met CIOs of farms uh, in, in, in Brazil, as an example. And yet again, you could go to a place like India, where there's 150 million farmers, more than half the population are in agriculture. And a lot of that is really either subsistence farming or it's about really the primary way that income is made. So the sophistication and the climate and the crops and the pests and the commercial models are really very, very different uh, from market to market. So, you know, we have to adapt our go to market models, but also the level of sophistication of the tools that we provide are very different. So, you know, in, in a place like um, in Asia, you might have many of our customers Use our products might not have, may have never learned to read or write. So, how do you put digital tools in the hands of, of farmers that may not be, you know, fully literate? Um, and you juxtapose that with people who have CIOs, right? So, you can imagine the the amount of diversity we have to work with in terms of meeting customers where they are around the level of sophistication uh, that they have, and ensure that we have a range of uh, of tools and data that you know are workable for you know the environment that they're in. Greg, you've been a, a technology leader and a CIO multiple times over. Uh, last time you and I were um, spoke on the record, you were the uh, CIO of Motorola Solutions, for example, in Chicago. Uh, but you've been in IT for a number of years prior to that uh, uh, in places like Biogen and Novartis and J&J prior to your time at Motorola. And I wonder, you know, the, the, the historical domain in terms of where value is created from the IT function has been on the bottom line of the, of the profit equation. Uh, so finding efficiencies, uh, you know, automating processes that are manual, just to take, paint with a very broad brushstroke here. Increasingly, as, as you were describing, and others like you, certainly not yet the average, I would say, but others like you are getting much more cognizant of customer experience and ultimately impacting the top line of the, of the profit equation, finding new sources of revenue and so on. And I wonder, can you talk a bit about that evolution, both personally uh, as, a, as a, a difference in orientation for you, but also as you bring this about in your team as well? Yeah, I mean, for someone who graduated college in the mid-90s with a, 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 a bachelor's degree in marketing and a minor in computer science at a time where the two things could, could really never you know, seem to have intersected, uh, and having gone through my career, you know, kind of being mainly in sales and marketing for the first 10 years of, of my career and then in IT for the last 10, I mean, it really has all kind of come full circle. Um, I think the, um, what's very interesting about, I think the, the job of CIOs and I talked to a lot of my, um, my counterparts about this to kind of joke about it. You know, 10, 10 15 years ago, um, a lot of what we were trying to do was to get IT on the agenda of management teams, right? It was convincing people that IT mattered, um, that it was more than just, you know, frustrating SAP systems that, you know, nobody thanked you when it worked well and it was hell to pay when it didn't work well. And it's actually really surprisingly a lot of time I find myself spending is almost tempering expectations. I think the level of enthusiasm around what technology can do, um, you know, I've I find myself really trying to manage expectations, which is really just an, an unbelievable 
change. And I, and I, don't, I don't know how much of that is really the different companies or industries have been. And I think a lot of it just has to do with the consumerization of IT. I mean, I think 10, 15 years ago, you know, there, there wasn't an iPhone, an iPad, and people, their, their personal relationship with technology and the role that it played in their personal lives was just so different. Um, than it is today. And, and these, these kinds of things, I think, have really captured the imagination. And you see many, many more people in, in very senior roles in companies that are either digitally native or, you know, have kids that are and, and they completely see, you know, what's happening. So for me, it's been just a really fun thing, you know, to watch. And I think it's a, a really great opportunity for technology executives because it's still, Technology is still really hard. It's hard to get right. It's hard to design well, and it's hard to make things work together. And I think um, if you can get the back office and the infrastructure pieces working to the point where, you know, they're they're a well-oiled machine, it, it gives you the latitude to really start to lean into conversations around how do you create new products, how do you um, improve customer experiences, and things like that. So you know, for me, it's been been so much fun, and I have to say that when I Took my first job in IT. It was an accident. It, I never really intended it to be that way. I kind of fell into it, and and I really wouldn't have imagined that. You know, if you fast forward 15 years, you know, it would be so front and center to the core of the business the way it is today. So it's been really rewarding. I, I mentioned at the outset that you are based in Basel, Switzerland, as is the the company. Um, and talk a bit about that as a um, uh, as a, a a place to do business in the technical space. Um, what's the marketplace like for tech talent? Um, you know, how have you grown your group? Uh, the extent to which there have been some some changes or growth uh, um, as since, since your arrival uh, as the CIO and CDO. Uh, talk a bit about um, you know operating within Switzerland. Yeah, and obviously we're a global company. We have uh, people in Chicago, uh, North Carolina. We have people in India, um, all around the world. Uh, so Switzerland is our global headquarters. It's where our um, our crop protection business is headquartered. It's where the corporate headquarters. I'm here. The CEO's here. Uh, the rest of the management team is here. Um, Seeds business is is headquartered in the U.S. Um, in the Midwest, as you, you'd imagine it would be. Um, but the 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 where where I live, which is in Basel, and that is for those that don't know, it's on the northern border with France and Germany, has a really rich history going back hundreds of years. Um, as uh, as really largely chemical, and it has kind of transcended into pharmaceuticals. So we're, you know, we're next door neighbors with Roche and uh, and and uh, Novartis. So all three of us are residents of the same city. And Basel is not not a very big city. It's the third biggest uh, city in in Switzerland. Um, so what you have here is you have a really amazing um, well of talent, particularly in chemical engineering and biology and and, and in chemistry. Uh, in IT, though, it's still, I wouldn't say it's a hub of, of, um, of activity. Probably a lot of the IT talent we do have here is mainly either expats coming from the U.S. or from other parts of Europe or from India. Uh, so what we, and it's a very expensive place. It's, uh, Switzerland is the, I think, got in first place again, is the most expensive place in the world to live. So it's not ec totally economical, particularly if you're trying to do you know, development jobs, things like that. So we tend to place those roles elsewhere. So for us, this ends up being the place where um, we really have a lot of the administration for the company. And, um, and it's also a really great 
a great place to live. So when, when we do attract talent here, and mostly at the more senior level or even in that more R&D space, there's tremendous talent here, particularly in the work that we do around you know chemical production or genetics or biology or, or, or chemical engineering, things like that. Greg, we've talked about a few different trends uh, as you've described uh, your purview and sources of uh, innovation that you and your team are driving. Uh, are there other trends as you look to the future that particularly excite you? Well, I think the the trend we talked about, which is really um, continuing to to really view um, and try to make these B two B many many companies right and IT groups are kind of more B two B related, not versus being consumer, but really trying to make the B two B connections look more and more like B two C consumer connections. I think you know first and foremost, every one of our customers, um, as well as every you know whether you're a you know, an investment banking or you're an insurance or you're a pharmaceutical company trying to uh, market to doctors, um, they're all consumers first. They use Amazon. They're probably Amazon Prime members. Uh, they use Netflix. I mean, they have an experience of what really great customer service looks like. And so there really isn't, um, you know, sort of an excuse to kind of go back to the pen and paper where a lot of the traditional, you know, procurement processes are all. So, I think this opportunity to really use customer experience as a way to differentiate um, what you do. But I think also, depending on the industry, like in our case, um, there's an opportunity to really link together um, technology as a wrapper around the actual product that you sell. So we're a product company, and the, the ability to use technology almost as a digital twin so if you're buying, for example, um, maybe a fungicide from us, which is a, a product that controls for mold on, let's say, potatoes, you need to know that, you, that under certain weather conditions, you, you should or shouldn't spray. Um, moisture, uh, wind, all these things are, are kind of based on you know, really well-known practices. The ability to ship algorithms that can really help farmers apply these products versus just relying on, okay, we're giving them you know, some of the world's best chemistry, it's really up to them to figure out, read the label, figure out how to use it. I think increasingly looking for angles by which you can incorporate IT into the core product or at minimum, you know, a wrapper around the product, I think is a, is a huge trend that will continue to allow uh, CIOs and, and, and digital people to be relevant to their, to their boards and to their executive teams. Of course, um, there's still a lot around uh, the areas of how you take the mountains of enterprise data that companies live with and how you sort of democratize it and refine it in a way where not only is it useful for humans, but looking for the angles with which algorithms can form around them and, and looking for opportunities where decisions have to be made that are repeatable and repetitive that can be really automated through the use of machine learning or simple classification or things like that. So, I mean, these are, you know, obviously pretty important trends that, um, that we pay close attention to. And I know a lot of my colleagues do as well. Well, Greg Myers, thank you so much for taking time with me this morning. It's been great to hear about your experience uh, to date at Syngenta Group, uh, your history as a technology executive, where you see the, the future headed and some of the innovations that are, are yet to come. Uh, and, and in many cases, helping grapple with some of the most, uh, most poignant uh, issues of our day, like climate change. It's been a great conversation. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
Thanks for tuning in. Please join me next week when my guest will be Mojgan Lefebvre, the Chief Technology Officer and Chief Operating Officer of Travelers.